Welcome to Library Land Loves, a podcast from OLA. We believe that libraries are full of the most passionate people on the planet. People who are passionate about their careers, about the people they're serving, and the programs they're running. And that passion doesn't end there. Be it the coffee they're drinking or the pop culture they're consuming, Library Land loves a lot. Realizing I wrote down more than five things. I was sitting at my desk and I was That's like, fine. but I'll pick some. You can edit on the fly or you can just do, you know, 5.1 if mm. you really need to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right. So let's start off by, um, let me just ask, how long have you been with TIFF? So I started with TIFF in 2014 as the manager of the Film Reference Library. Uh, and I've been senior manager since the fall of 2016 of the library. So um, a pretty good chunk of time and I've learned so much both about the functioning of TIFF as an organization, uh, the festival as well as the year-round stuff, and then of course just all the facets of the library, which is both a library and an archive. Mm -hmm. Um, It is called the Film Reference Library, but it does also contain uh, archival materials as well. Cool. And why don't you tell us what you do all day? Okay. So um, basically, I am at the helm of a small but very busy team of library staff. How many? Um, There are five full-time and two part-time library clerks. It's a great little team. Yeah. Little but great. Yeah. Little and mighty team. (laughs) A mighty. Yeah. Yeah. And actually, as it turns out, it's not that small of a team, Mm -hmm. given that we're a special library. So what's the top five list you're bringing with to us today? Okay. And this was very challenging. <laughs> There's just so many treasures, to be honest, um, both in the reference side and in the archival side. So I've sort of d- dipped into both. Okay. And I've, I've chosen some, a couple of items that are just of personal interest to me, mm-hmm. just because they, they're my jam and I like them per, for right. personal reasons. So this that you're presenting to us is the, are the top five favorite resources in your library? Is that what this is? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that would be accurate. And then two of them are sort of more broadly, um, I think, of interest just to the general public as well. Some of them are just my personal faves. Cool. So I'll just launch in right into it. Are you ready? Number one, (laughs) number five, sorry. We'll start at the top. There we go. Yes, they're not in order of of preference. Um, So I'll start with um, an actual, just a library book, part of our reference collection. Um, so it is the exhibition catalog for the Paradise Institute, which was, um, it was a piece of installation art by Janet Cardiff and George Beerus Miller. It was part of the 2001 Biennale in Venice. They were, they represented Canada. Mm -hmm. And so there was this beautiful exhibition catalog produced and it has this velour, sort of cover. Mm. It's delicious. It looks great. It's like this really high quality (laughs) photographs and accompanying essays. Um, And I was just very excited when I discovered this in the collection because it happens to be just sort of a personal favorite installation that I've managed to attend. It was, I think, at the power plant possibly when I was an undergrad back in 2001, Mm. a long time ago now. Um, And I always loved it because it's about the cinematic experience the the exhibition itself they've constructed a miniature um cinema where you sit in a balcony and then they've made a miniature version of a stage in a cinema so the perspective is correct that you feel like you're in the balcony of a large theater Hmm. Uh, in any case as you can tell it's sort of hard to explain (laughs) what the experience of this art piece is Um, and i was very excited to find that we actually had the exhibition catalog in our holdings Uh, i was trying to track it down for other reasons um and then thought why don't i check 
my my own collection. <laughs> um, and we had this beautiful coffee. So that was just one of those fun moments where yeah. something I'm really personally interested in. We have, it's It also functions as a beautiful art object. The book itself is quite attractive. So okay. um, another object um, that's really unique that we have. So we have the Guy Madden archive. We recently processed his fourth accrual. I think he first donated maybe in 2003. Um, so last year we had another accrual from him. So the object I've picked from that is um, we have the sketchbook storyboards for Heart of the World, which was a short he made in 2001. I don't know if you've seen it. I haven't. But it's sort of that Soviet expressionist style mm. and sort of typical of like other aspects of his work. So we have a beautiful sketchbook that he's actually mapped out um, these really luscious sort of um, storyboards. He's obviously very talented <laughs> as, a, as an illustrator as well. Mm-hmm. A lot of the things that I've chosen relate to the filmmaking creative process. Mm-hmm. Um, it's something that interests me personally, but that's also one of the major resources that we're offering to users of the library, mm-hmm. is that if you are a filmmaker or a film lover and you want to discover more about the creative process, you know, what goes into the planning of a film it's something huge to contemplate if it's never if you've never tried it not mm-hmm. many of us have tried you know to make a feature film yeah. or or experimental shorts so um that's that amazing details having access to like the thought process and the yeah. creative process that's amazing um I always wonder if, like, when people are creating these things and they have these journals, I mean, I would be terrified for someone to see my sketches of some of the things <gasps> right. that I planned. Yeah. But, you know, to to keep them and preserve them and make mm-hmm. them available in this way, it's, it must be slightly terrifying for them. You would think. Now, sometimes, I mean, as with most archives, there are some... Um, objects that have been donated that have been sealed or are confidential and that are not accessible to the public. Okay. So they're cataloged by, you know, the archival team that are processing it, put in an envelope with like a note saying that, may, you know, may not be used for research or, you know, must request access from the filmmaker. So they do make a distinction sometimes with right. us about Certain what their case, yeah, access, the levels yeah. of access and, you know, authorization. So that does happen. Hmm. But I guess, yeah, the, um, Adam McGoin also has a lot of scrapbooks and sketchbooks in our collection that he's donated that are very similarly revelatory Mm -hmm. in terms of process and having photographs of, you know, locations and sketches and all kinds of interesting notes. So I I think they're, yeah, they seem to be very open to just sharing that process. Opening their brains up for anyone to pick. Yeah, exactly. So that was number four? So, uh, yes, sure. You're still going backwards. That was number four. Number three. Number three. I've chosen... uh, an article from uh, Patricia Rosema's collection. So we also have a very extension, extensive collection of her archives. We have uh, we keep all of our files in Hollinger boxes, and I was going through them, and I found one box that contained multiple file folders of just research that she had completed in preparation for Mansfield Park, mm. uh, which was her film adaptation of Jane Austen, uh, which she wrote the script for that, and then she also directed that. Mm. And I don't know if you've seen. I have. Uh, mm. Yes. It's, it's a, I love this film, mm-hmm. which is one of the reasons I was exploring that particular, um, that particular file. Um, and what I found in the research file was all of the, you know, preparation research she completed, I would assume, to write the script itself. So academic articles about Jane Austen, mm-hmm. about abolition and the slave trade in Britain in the 1800s, mm-hmm. um, about Lord Mansfield himself as well as articles on chivalry and gender. And so very, you know, so it was historical articles, um, 
identity politics-based articles, articles on Jane Austen herself. So it was really impressive to see the amount of, of research and work that had gone in mm-hmm. to her writing stage of this, yeah. um, which is evident when you watch the film. She's woven in Jane Austen's juvenilia letters, as well as really teased out the themes relating to the anti-slavery and abolitionist and slave right. trade, which at the time people challenged her a lot on, saying, you know, you're reading far too much into this novel. Yeah. This isn't the Jane Austen we know. Yeah. Whereas she was able to demonstrate, yes, actually, this is the Jane Austen you know. Mm-hmm. It's called Mansfield Park for a reason. So it was really a treat to go through that research. Interesting to know who her research assistant was. Oh, (laughs) very interesting. Yes. Do you ever have filmmakers coming to you to help with any of this background work they do? For sure, we do. We had, oh, unfortunately her name escapes me, but I could maybe send it to you later. Her name is Julia, and she wrote a book on I've Heard the Mermaids Singing. Mm. Um, and she completed a lot of her research at the Film Reference Library mm. because we also have extensive files on that particular film and, sure. and the pre-production, et cetera, that went into that, doing that. Great. So, yes, we do have a lot of scholars that are going to come in and ask yeah. us to help track down all those finer details, which takes, obviously, some deep dives because we actually mm-hmm. would we would go through maybe contract records or, you know, whatever, more administrative records in the files it's to one see of my who favorite done it. Th- sorry. It's mm-hmm. one of my favorite things to do, to look in the credits mm-hmm. of the movie to see if librarian is there. <laughs> I noticed it most recently in Star Wars. Yes. There was a librarian there, and I, I I forgot to write the name down, but I wanted to look into it. Like, what did this person yeah. do? Because I'm fascinated by that. I wonder if they get an IMDb record from that. Yes. Yeah? Yeah. That's so cool. I found some. I, I looked through the That should be the a credits. whole other topic, like librarians on IMDb. Yeah, <laughs> yes, librarians and filmmaking. Where are they interconnecting? Yeah. Yes. All right, so we're at number two. Yes. So one more broadly speaking, and it's a collection I haven't fully dived into yet, is our Cinema Canada journals. Um, so we have the administrative editorial um, files from that magazine, in addition to like a full run of the actual magazine itself. Um but I love it because you can crack open any one of the journals and it's like a little time capsule to um, usually the 70s, you know, 80s. Mm-hmm. I think it ran from, I have in front of me, 1962 to 1989. So wow. a really good chunk yeah. of filmmaking in the 20th century in Canada. Um, but they're so great to leaf through because you have ads for like William F. White's, but from 19, you know, whatever, 80, whatever. I went through several um, issues from the 70s and there's a lot of coverage of women in film. Hmm. at that era as well and I've discovered the names of several films I had never heard of as well as filmmakers so it's it's a very rich collection for someone who wants to trace the history of Canadian cinema as well as scholarship hmm. on Canadian cinema yeah. at, that was generated at the time right. as opposed to like a historiography mm-hmm. looking back um, so that's a really really so that's a huge collection so yeah. those are hundreds so it's not necessarily I'm not picking one <laughs> but I'm, you know the whole the actual series. collection itself right. yeah and then, as I said, we have their editorial records, so ads and, and decision-making process and, to the, and, you know, investigating the running of the magazine itself, which wow. could be of use for so many ways yeah. to so many different types Publishing of researchers. Industry. Exactly. Yeah. So a lot of different entry points there as well. Mm. That was number two. Number one. <laughs> number one. Oh, how fitting. <laughs> oh, I'm going to pick <laughs> um, our TIFF coverage photographic slides. Okay. So we have an extensive collection of slides covering red carpets and special events and Q&As from 1976 up until about 2005, where it's more photographs than slides. But it's such a treasure trove. So last year we did phase one of a scanning, cataloging, rehousing project. Um, previously they were in 
um, you know, little slide sheets in binders. Mm -hmm. Um, So we needed to make sure they were being properly preserved. Mm -hmm. So we scanned them. We scanned uh, just over 6,000, got them fully cataloged, and were rehoused in archivally acid-free containers. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's amazing. So we're hoping to, you know, provide those online, and we're doing phase two of it this year and scanning the rest of them, so 92 to 2005. But it was an amazing, very entertaining process um, to identify everyone mm-hmm. pictured in all of these because people really look different. And you see little baby versions of, of actors that we know now and what they looked like in 1983 when their first film debuted at TIFF. So it's, um, yeah, very. that's a very like fun collection. And I'm hoping that people will come and discover it as we so provide then, access. So then when you provide access, what format will they be able to use it in or to see it in? It would be online. Oh, okay. Yeah, eventually the goal. And it might actually only be accessible on computers in our physical library sure. because, you know, Licensing. the bandwidth yeah. and the exactly the rights to actually put them online is a whole other ball game, the infrastructure yeah. for that. But it's going to be much more easy for people to find and view them, right. even just at our, you know, at our computers in the library. So previous to this, though, they could have seen the slides. They could yes. have come in and, and you know, leafed through. Exactly. Yeah. They could come in and look at the physical slides. Very exciting. Those are just a couple. There's so many more. Well, thank you so much <laughs> for your time today. And I would encourage anyone who hasn't seen the TIFF reference library to go down and check it out. And yes. Michelle is usually around to... Oh, yeah. uh, facilitate with tours and that kind of thing mm-hmm. and I know we've done them at super conference before and hopefully we'll do them again because I think people found them really exciting and I think the opportunity to go back in hidden spaces is always an exciting one for librarians so yes thank you so much for coming today nice thank to talk you. to you can I shout out our website so people know please do <laughs> uh, you can um, visit tiff.net slash library and you can search our entire collection as well as browse the special collections So everyone go and do that right now. (laughs) Thanks so much, Michelle. Thanks.